Join us on Tuesdays this fall for the Jesus Calling Stories of Faith television show on Circle TV, hosted by country music superstar Lauren Elena. Each week, we'll talk with people from all walks of life about their heartaches, their victories, their joy, and their pain, and how their faith kept them going through it all. You don't want to miss it. Tuesdays at 8:30 p.m. Eastern Time, and re-airing Sundays at 2 p.m. Eastern this fall on Circle TV. Visit JesusCalling.com/tv to find out how to watch in your area. Where your joy is, is where your bliss will be, and where your dreams are discovered, and where your dreams are brought to life, is where life will bloom and blossom within you. Welcome to the Jesus Calling podcast. The one constant in our lives is change. As we grow, we watch our lives take on new challenges, gather new people in our circles, and even invite new dreams. Our guests today remind us that no matter what season we are in, God can use our new dreams for His glory. Kathy Lee Gifford was a born entertainer. From the time she was a little girl, she was putting on plays for classmates, singing on stage, and writing her own performances as her parents cheered her on along her way. In her new season of life, Kathy Lee is reflecting on what and who has helped her create her 50-year career in entertainment, and she wants to help kids recognize the dreams God has put in their own hearts, which she talks about in her new children's book, Hello, Little Dreamer. My very first memory of being a little girl was putting on shows. It has always been my dream to be an actress and a singer, and uh, never to be a talk show host because there was no such thing as talk show hosts when I was growing up. First television show I ever saw was The Flintstones in black and white. So <laughs> I just knew that naturally I was born. I would say I came out of the womb with a, with a pratfall and a rim shot, but I'm bump. And I just took off from there, just putting on a show anytime I could, writing, directing. I remember being in the first grade, six years old, and I went to my teacher and I showed her my favorite little book. And I said, can I write this and direct it and act in it for the whole show? Uh, you know, and, and for everybody in, in my class. And she goes, you want to do that? I said, yes, please. <laughs> I, I was... Uh, Always like that. And my, I look at my little birth announcement that my parents put out, and it's the Eiffel Tower where I was born in Paris, and a big spotlight, and it says, a star is born. <laughs> Everybody thinks their child is born, you know. And they called me Sarah Hartburn instead of Sarah Bernhardt when I was a little girl. Sarah Bernhardt was a very, very, the most famous actress in the world. They were the kind of parents that went to every performance. But they were also the kind of parents that went to every rehearsal for every performance. They loved it. My sister was by far the better singer between the two of us. And I'll never forget, I went to her voice teacher once because all I wanted to do was become, like sing like Barbara Streisand. And, um, and I remember I went to her teacher and I, and I sang a few, I don't remember, I think it was just scales or something. I don't know what I sang, but it wasn't very much. And she looked at me, she said, oh, Kathy, Stick to harmony. It was probably the best thing I could hear because it made me mad. I said, I'll show her I can sing. 
and I started singing every chance I could. I would put on my Barbara Streisand records and for hours and hours and hours try to hit those notes, try to hold a note out as long as she could, try to phrase it just as she did. And I literally spent my whole childhood teaching myself how to sing. I don't know why, but it was such an innate desire in me to sing. And um, never dreaming that I would actually make a living at it. I thought, gee, if I could just be in the chorus. Boy, if I could just be, you know, somebody's understudy. I never had the dreams to be famous, ever. That's sort of the irony of my life. Never. It never occurred to me that I would be talented enough or blessed enough to be a star. I just wanted to make my living doing it. I knew that. Because my dad said to me when I was a little girl, Honey, find something you love to do and then find a way to get paid for it. And so I was very, very blessed to start singing professionally when I was 10 years old. My sister was eight, and we were paid $5 each to sing at my grandmother's birthday party. My dad used to tell me, if you get paid for something, that makes you a professional. I was Marilyn's junior miss, and that was not a dream of mine at all. It was not a beauty pageant. It was a talent and a scholarship program. But, um, but that led to me moving ultimately to Hollywood to pursue my dreams, and I was sitting in of the set of a, of a soap opera called Days of Our Lives. And I was what they called an atmosphere person. You weren't allowed to say a, a word, and boy, did I milk that. <laughs> You're not supposed to be so overt that you take away from the principles. <laughs> they had to call me down a few times. Um, you see, would you, don't move around so much. Don't be <laughs> and then ultimately, uh, the producer came up to me and said, uh, can you act? And you learn what, whatever somebody asks you, you're supposed to give them back the same question. Can I act? <laughs> Don't tell them yes or no, just ask the question. <laughs> so I remember I would be the voice of uh, Flight 202 leaving for Portland. You know, those kinds of things. My, my voice was always an asset I didn't realize. I thought I had to sing to have it be an asset. But it wasn't that. It, it's something that people recognize Many times, even now, long before they look at me and, and go, oh, it's you, they'll go, I learned because I know your voice. So um, I didn't even know then that I was developing all the different skills. But the point being that, yes, the dreams were in me, built into me uh, as I was being built as a human being as well. I think, I truly do believe that we ask the wrong question, basically, of children. And people ask me this my whole life, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I think that's the wrong question to ask children. I think it's not what they want to be so much as what does God want you to be? What dreams did he put inside of you that he will use for his glory to make your life rich and abundant and joyful and blessed? That's what I'm really trying to share with uh, little children in my new book, Hello Little Dreamer, that um, God doesn't make mistakes with us, and um, you are um, perfect in His sight. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. I'm remembering now that was in Jesus Calling this morning. And I have not just Sarah Young to thank because she's always put everything, Jesus Calling, Jesus Lives, Jesus Today, all of her books, just chock full of uh, scripture. 
And uh, you can read a scripture a thousand times and it won't have the, the impact it sometimes will have that one day for you. And with the thing that I love so much about Sarah and the books that she's written and the messages that she has passed on for years now in spite of great pain and suffering in her own life is that even my hairdresser today was saying, oh, I read her books every morning and they give me just what I need for today, just what I need right now. And this is what everybody says. I feel like th that she's written it and God has given her that message just for me today. That's the miracle of what God has done in her life. I was meant to be an entertainer. He made me an entertainer. I've been doing it professionally for over 50 years. God has blessed me in so many ways and he's used me in the so-called secular world to proclaim him to a non-believing world. And that's been a tremendous, tremendous blessing. Has it been a challenge? Yeah. Have I felt alone at times? Oh yeah. But I always knew that that was God's special place for me. I am the same human being when I'm on a movie set as I am when I'm singing in a church. God used it. I can't tell you how many people I was honored and privileged to lead to the Lord because I happened to be on a movie set or on a TV set or in a recording studio or on location someplace. People that would never read the Bible, people that would just turn off a television show that was talking about Jesus or God or anything else, but they'd watch me. They'd watch the way I lived my life, the way I, mostly the way I treated people. Preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. Love people. When you love people, that's when they sense Jesus. When you love people, and that's what Jesus called us to do, love one another as I have loved you. They will know you are Christians by your love for one another. Uh, it didn't say, hit that note great. Didn't say, uh, show up on time. All those things are wonderful. All those things you have to do. But he said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. When anybody says to me, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know who I want to be. Uh, I, I like certain things. And I go, what do you like the most? What makes you happy every time you do it? When you were a child and you were growing up, what was the one thing your mother couldn't get you to stop doing? Your father couldn't make you come in to go to dinner because you were having so much fun. And they'll say, oh, I was flying a kite. I'd like to put kites together and fly them. That's what you're supposed to do. I really believe that. I don't mean you're supposed to make kites and fly them. You're supposed to build things and watch them soar. I said, well, I love to, um, I love to sing. Then you're supposed to sing. The Bible talks about how, you know, our, our body may be wasting away, but we are being renewed in our hearts and in our spirits every day. And that's, um, that's what gives me the energy I've got. I feel I'm 66 years old and I feel like three 22-year-olds, you know. Um, and that's going to about to change in a month. I don't want to talk about it, but it's, you know what? Thank God I'm moving on to the next season, the next year. And when you, when you embrace that as opposed to, you know, um, fearing it, again, we're not to fear anything. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And someone said to me the other day that one translation of that that they had read was, I can do all seasons of my life through Christ who strengthens me. That's true. I'm in a brand new season. I'm a widow now. My empty nester, my kids are off. One of them's married. The other's about to get married. I've moved away from the home I had for 
you know, 40 years basically in the Connecticut, New York area, and I'm down here in beautiful Tennessee. Uh, whole new life, new world, new challenges, new friends, and uh, that's just the goodness of God to give me the, I couldn't wait. I was ready, ready for the next season with the Lord. He, I didn't come here alone. He opened the way for me to be here. He's, he's brought everything I need, everything I could want. I'm, I'm working harder than I've ever worked in, in, in a very long career, more more balls in the air, and I don't juggle very well, but I've got more balls in the air right now, more projects that I'm working on, and I'm excited about them, uh, and they're fresh and new. We were born to co-create with our Creator. That's just as true as it can be. And so I've never been confused at all about what I'm supposed to do, and I think that's because I was pursuing my dreams. I can't even imagine what God's got for me next. Kathy Lee's new children's book, Hello, Little Dreamer, is available from your favorite book retailer today. Stay tuned to Jim and Jill Kelly's story after a brief message about a brand new edition of Jesus Calling that's perfect for note-takers. Motherhood. It's a journey like no other, teeming with love, unparalleled dedication, and moments that pierce the very essence of your soul. It's a trek that demands to be celebrated, lauded, and embraced in its entirety. Celebrate the moms in your life this Mother's Day with two beautiful gift books, Jesus Calling for Moms by Sarah Young and Grace for the Moment for Moms by Max Licato. These heartfelt devotionals will remind the moms in your life just how special they are. Jesus Calling for Moms and Grace for the Moment for Moms are available now where all books are sold. During times of transition and unknown next steps, it's more important than ever to cling to the promises of God and to tune your ear to what Jesus has to say. Jesus Calling for Graduates is an encouraging compilation of 150 devotions from Sarah Young's brand. Grads will find topics such as discerning God's will, self-worth, trust, support, and much more. Jesus Calling for Graduates is perfect for both high school and college graduates as they embark on the next chapter. Look for a special custom edition of Jesus Calling for Graduates, available exclusively at faithgateway.com. Many Jesus Calling readers have expressed how they have written notes in the margins of their own Jesus Calling, remembering important life moments and prayer requests. Now, there's a new note-taking edition of Jesus Calling. It has the same great 365 devotions with full written-out scripture verses and a new layout that leaves space for journaling and recording those inspirational thoughts and memories. Get a free sample of the note-taker's edition of Jesus Calling at JesusCalling.com. Our next guests are NFL Hall of Fame quarterback Jim Kelly and his wife, New York Times bestselling author Jill Kelly. After a career guiding the Buffalo Bills to a record four consecutive Super Bowl appearances, Jim retired and looked forward to spending more time with his family, including his newborn son Hunter. But a few months into Hunter's life, the Kellys began to notice their son wasn't developing like other children and received a devastating diagnosis that he wouldn't live to see his second birthday. After losing their son, the Kellys channeled their grief into an organization called Hunter's Hope, which helps other families who are dealing with the same disorder Hunter had in their own children. 
They share how they've waded through suffering, even as Jim himself has battled with three rounds of cancer, and how they continue to place their faith in God to help them survive as they've looked to become difference makers in the lives of others. Uh, Jim Kelly, um, former Buffalo Bills quarterback and uh, Pro Football Hall of Famer, uh, married to this beautiful girl right here. I'm Jill Kelly. I'm Jim Kelly's wife, the mother of three children, Aaron, Hunter, and Cameron. Hunter's in heaven. And I am the president of the Hunter Soap Foundation and a New York Times bestselling author. I have five brothers. Our whole goal and dream of all of our lives was to be able to take care of our mother and father. Because having six boys, we put my parents through a lot, a few fights here and there. But um, I was a blessed, fortunate one to, to make it uh, a long way in the National Football League. I went to the University of Miami uh, to play my college career. And then what was wound up being drafted by the Buffalo Bills, where I decided at the beginning I did not want to play there. So I went to Houston and played in an upstart league called the USFL. Played there for two years, and then finally one of the best decisions I made in my life was becoming a Buffalo Bill in 1986. And I played there for 11 years, went to four Super Bowls, and then retired and uh, was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2002. That's pretty much my whole career in a nutshell. While Jim was playing in the Super Bowls at that time, and I had just graduated from college, and a friend of mine who knew someone who knew Jim invited us to go to a party at his house. And my friend and I went, and that's where we met. It's obviously one of the funny stories that we share whenever we get to share together, because at this point in time, there's no social media. I did not have a cell phone. It was very, um, you know, that was just the way life was. I lived at home with my parents. And the night that I met Jim, at the end of the night, my friend and I went up and, you know, I said to him, you know, thank you so much for having us. Great party. And he said to me, well, how do I get a hold of you? And I said, well, you don't, but thank you so much for the invite. Um, nice to meet you. And I left. So why I bring up social media is that, you know, I did not give Jim my phone number, nor did I have a cell phone, and was there was no way for him to find me. <laughs> but I did. <laughs> and here we are, what, 23 years later? 24. When Hunter was four months old, he was, we brought, when we brought him home from the hospital, he was perfect. It was an easy pregnancy. He had passed all of his newborn screening tests. He was healthy. It was, it was almost a perfect scenario, really, because we had a daughter, Jim had just retired, and now we have our son. And so we took Hunter home. We noticed early on that there were things that didn't seem right. He was irritable all the time. So we thought maybe it was colic. We were talking to the pediatrician often, getting insight from him. I stopped nursing. We started putting him on different formulas, all those sort of things. And we continued to ask the pediatrician what could possibly be wrong. And so on his three-month well visit, the doctor you know, was checking Hunter out. And she said, you know, he's showing signs of cerebral palsy. So 
we were devastated and, but we, we knew just through Jim doing a, a ton of, um, charity work and, you know, interacting with children with cerebral palsy, we knew that they have, they could have a really amazing quality of life. And so we were hopeful. However, Hunter continued to get worse. And so we continued to talk to the pediatrician and say, you know, he's, things are not right. He wasn't even able to drink formula anymore. And so we continued to ask questions and eventually he was um, checked out by a neurologist and she did a, a battery of tests and blood work. And at four months of age, Hunter was diagnosed with crab leukodystrophy. What that is affects the white matter in your brain and pretty much everything we take for granted every day, the movement of your arms, your legs, your hearing, your sight, your swallowing. And I remember it as clear as yesterday or this moment that, you know, when she said there is nothing you can do, there's no cure and there's no treatment and your son probably will not live to see his second birthday. I just remember sitting in her office and everything up to that moment that I had put my hope in, all the worldly things, you know, Jim's, I guess, celebrity status, Jim's um, ability to make things happen. You know, we have money, we have all of these worldly things, and none of those things were going to save Hunter, not one of them. So for me, in that moment of just tremendous fear and anguish and devastation, I knew that I was going to have to seek beyond what this world has to offer. We were going to do anything possible for Hunter, but there wasn't anything. And so the blessing in that is that because there wasn't anything to save Hunter, we had to look beyond this world to the God who can save all of us. And so ultimately it wasn't so much, you know, this death diagnosis that we received. We realized, at least for me, because I came to faith before Jim, is that it was God using the suffering of our one and only son to point us to the suffering of his one and only son, Jesus. We wanted hope. We wanted joy. We wanted Jesus. We didn't even know that we needed Jesus. We wanted him because we wanted help for Hunter. So I just started seeking after God. And it was about a year and a half after Hunter's diagnosis that I surrendered my life to the Lord. And of course, uh, there's so many more things about this whole story, and it would take days to tell it all. But um, Jill and I, of course, uh, every morning we wake up, we thought, you know, is this the day that the Lord's going to take our son? And uh, it was tough on us. It really was until our, you know, Jill's mother said, you guys got to quit treating him like he's dying. Start treating him like he's alive. And uh, she was right. So we started doing things with him that we never thought we would do. Take him snowmobiling and put him on the back of ponies and horses and take him for little, you know, walks around and just the things that we would do that we never would have done before. And then I reflect back on Hunter and all the things that he went through in his life and how he pulled through everything and how tough he was and how focused he was on making sure that next day and 
he was a trooper. I mean, the, the little boy was um, my hero, of course, by far. Um, he is the reason, without a doubt, that I've seeked the Lord and that I am where I am now in my walk with my faith. Ultimately, you know, the doctors did tell us that he would not live to see his second birthday, but he did live to be eight and a half. And the amazing thing about that is, is that the suffering did not stop. But the way we looked at Hunter's life after God intervened in our lives changed completely. After Hunter was diagnosed and we were told that no one was doing anything for this disease or the children suffering from this disease and the families, we both knew that with the platform that God had given Jim, that we had to do something. We could not just sit back and uh, know that there was other families out there that were going through what we were going through and children going through what Hunter was going through. So we started Hunter's Hope. Ultimately, what God has done over the past 20 years that the foundation has um, been in existence is immeasurably more than anything we would have ever set out to do, you know. But we are so thankful and so blessed to have been able to impact the lives of countless people, especially through newborn screening, because what we learned in the process of having the foundation and starting to do research is that had Hunter had a specific newborn screen to test for his disease, at the time that he was born, he had an opportunity. He could have gotten a cord blood transplant and could very well be 23 years old right now. And ultimately though, our hope is that we provide a greater hope through the foundation. Um, yes, we want to provide opportunity for an earthly hope, an earthly cure, treatment, whatever. But God, through Hunter, taught us the greater hope and that's eternal life. So that's our greater hope for the foundation. When I speak to people, it's not just with one thought in my mind. It's more of how do I make a difference in somebody out there listening, whether it's through the struggles that they're having with their marriage, whether it is with their health or with somebody in their family's health, or whether it's a friend, whether it's why they're blaming God for all the mistakes they made in your life or all the struggles that they're having. You try to make sure that they understand from your mindset the things that I've been through is to realize that we all go through tough times in our life. But I always try to make people understand it's about your attitude, your attitude to, to be a difference maker, not only in your own life, but people around your life, to surround yourself with good quality people. Because a lot of times, you know, people look down on others that are struggling. Ah, come on, let's go. And yeah, you want to make sure they're tough, but in the same sense, it's not always what you say to somebody, it's how you say it to them. To make sure they know where you're coming from, know that you want to be a difference in their lives. And as long as what I'm doing today is making somebody want to seek tomorrow, make them want to thank the good Lord for that tomorrow. That's what it's about. 
Time and again, Jill and Jim have seen God's unwavering love present in their lives, no matter what was happening. Jill reads a passage from Jesus Always that reflects this truth. Jesus Always, February 14th. Ooh, what a day. Let my unfailing love be your comfort. One definition of comfort is a person or thing that makes you feel less upset or frightened during a time of trouble. Because you live in such a broken world, trouble is never far away. There are many sources of comfort in the world, yet only one of them is unfailing, my love. Other sources will help you some of the time, but my tender presence is with you all of the time. My perfect, inexhaustible love is not just a thing that makes you feel less upset, it's also a person. Nothing in all creation can separate you from me, and I am inseparable from my love. As my cherished follower, you can turn to me for comfort at all times. Since you have this boundless source of blessing, me, I want you to be a blessing in the lives of other people. You can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort you have received from me. Love that verse with the comfort that we have been given from God, we are to comfort others. And I really feel like that is our story and love this so much. And you know, the love of God is immeasurable. It's beyond our understanding. And to know that His love through us, that we are able to love other people, forgive, comfort, you know, it's not in and of ourselves that we can do any of these things. It's all Him at work through us. And what an honor it is and so humbling to be a conduit of God and to be His ambassador and to allow Him to work through us is just, it's overwhelming. To learn more about Hunter's Hope and the work that the Kellys are doing, visit huntershope.org. If you'd like to hear more stories about reaching for our dreams, check out our interviews with Pastor Matthew Barnett and children's book illustrator Richard Cowdery. Next time on the Jesus Calling Podcast, we speak with author and Christian hip-hop artist Lecrae Moore. Lecrae has spent the last few years reaching for healing after living through years of trauma in his past. And after finding restoration, he realized that taking those first steps toward healing is not an easy task, but the end result is worth it. You've got to accept and acknowledge the trauma that you've endured or are currently experiencing. And acceptance is always painful, um, but denial is deadly. To accept it or acknowledge it could mean a lifetime of difficulties and treatment, but uh, you're on a journey now of healing and health and hope, because if you can hope, you can heal. I think people avoid acknowledgement because they're afraid of losing a, a sense of hope. You know, I'm, I'm a firm believer that God is very adamant about making sure we know we have a future and a hope. Want to hear more inspirational stories of people who have been changed by a closer walk with God? Then subscribe today to the Jesus Calling Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please be sure to leave a review, which helps us reach and inspire others with these stories. Plus, if you like seeing our guests as well as hearing them, you can find video interviews available on our YouTube channel at youtube.com, Jesus Calling Book, on Facebook, and on the Jesus Calling Instagram page.